Welcome to the Otherworld's GG Community Cast. This is episode number 10. I am Table for Two, and I'm joined today by Alien Pickle and Mellified. How are you guys doing? Is this going to be on the test? I think we've already failed. Yeah. 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 No, I'm doing good. It's uh, it's uh, Saturday. It's a long weekend for us uh, recording today, so that's exciting. Um, I stayed up way too late last night, I, uh, I confess, so... I'm a little out of it, I guess, but uh, looking forward to chatting with you guys. We have some interesting news today. News is definitely interesting. That is that is for sure. What have you guys been playing lately? Have you guys been playing anything good? Um, no, no, I've been <laughs> bouncing around. I I finished the um, Vampire the Masquerade, the Coteries of New York uh, visual novel uh, game recently. Which was yeah, it was fun. There's three different factions you can play it as, and I didn't I didn't love it enough to go back and play it two more times. Um, can you play as a Can you play as a cat girl, or is it not that kind of visual not novel? that kind of visual novel? No, okay. this is this is I think the team that is working on Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines two uh, at Paradox. Did these or it's related somehow? I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's okay. Um, it was fun, but, uh, beyond that, it's just been kind of our community nights and, um, playing a little, I I started on Dragon Quest 11 S on the, uh, Xbox, the, the remade version, because I've never played it. So, um, finally getting around to that one. Yeah, have you tried flipping it to the 2D mode? I haven't yet. I, I've been playing strictly in 3D, and I it, it's weird because you can't do it whenever you want. You have to do it at a save point, which oh, I, that's I strange. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, so I was kind of like, well, I don't know if I want to commit to uh, running in 2D mode for you know between two save points uh, necessarily, but um, I'll, I'll turn it on and run around a little bit maybe and, and see if I like it, but. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying the game. So I thought it was just like a you know hit a button, flip back and forth, but no. Yeah, so did I. And and then when I got in there, I I found out otherwise. So. Um. um speaking of what community about... nights, though. Um, mm-hmm. This last community night, we played a bit of a hypercharged unbox, which was a lot of fun. Um, Let me just say those Beyblade little things are are jerks. <laughs> Yeah, and we uh we didn't get a chance to get to like the really cool backyard map. That that gets that gets uh that gets intense, man. There's like RC fighter jets that like dive bomb by, there's you know, cargo planes of green army men that drop down on you. It's well maybe you should explain the uh the, oh, yeah, the game sure. a little bit, because that makes no sense to anybody listening. Sure, yeah, no. Hypercharged in a box essentially is a a game in which you play an action figure. Uh, it's like Toy Story meets Toy Soldiers, and you are, which is funny because t- Toy Soldiers is like Toy Story meets Toy Soldiers, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, yeah, you're essentially, you're, you play as an action figure, and you can customize your action figure, and you know, give them different weapons, you could be like a lizard man, or an alien, or some like She-Ra, or whatever, it's really kind of cool, there's a lot of fun, like, customization stuff you can do with the action figures, but then... You're given these missions uh, where you're essentially protecting these nodes from waves of bad toys. So you got like these uh, almost kind of like uh, ro- robot 
looking things. There's like evil action figures, um, zombie creatures or zombie, yeah, zombie like, yeah, zombie like action figures, blob like things. So like stuff like. Very similar and reminiscent of toys you you had growing up, but like you know because of licensing, there obviously it's, it's kind of like uh, not Rock'em Sock'em Robots, you know, not you know GI Joe, yes. not He Man. Um, so that's kind of like the vibe that it is, but um, it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of a lot of um, little secret like uh, hidden things, like names of things are different, but obviously it's like that's supposed to be Legos, but the, they they call them build buildos. Uh, you yes. say that very yes. enunciatingly, Bill, <laughs> Bildos, um, and so, uh, that's Bildo with a B, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, but anyway, um, it's a lot, and then it's a lot of fun. And like some of the maps get like really intense where you just get like waves of like crazy stuff, like RC tanks or green army man tanks or like RC jets and helicopters and, um, you know, it becomes challenging, but a lot of fun. So um, that's what we play. It's like uh, it's like Toy Story Tower Defense. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. That's a, that's a better way of doing it. Well, and the cool thing is being that it's a first or third person perspective, you know, you feel like you're right in the action as one of these hero action figures protecting your your little bases um, on the map. And yeah, and like was... whenever when you die, you respawn by jumping out of another blister pack. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And so what well, the the thing that Melify was talking about is there's a there's a map where you're actually on an air hockey table in an arcade and you're just being bombarded with waves of Beyblades after Beyblades like cutting up your shins. Um it's Do uh, not want. Yeah. That's it, a that's a fun map once. Right. <laughs> I avoid it. Yeah, you're just like let's not do that again. But anyway, so. yeah. yeah, yeah. I I feel like the game actually has an over reliance on those Beyblade things. But well, last yeah. night in particular, it seemed like oh, there was a lot more going on with that than normal. Um, I, I will admit that was a little interesting to to see that. Yeah, e- either they have put in some element that randomizes what enemies you get, or they did a rebalance pass, which is probably the more likely thing. Um, but I would like it if if there was actually a random element about mm. what's going to show up. I just assumed it was. So that's, I didn't, I didn't uh, realize it was a fixed, fixed well, like, menu like, of enemies. Not, not all maps are going to have like helicopters as an example. Like not sure. all, not all maps sure. are going to have like the UFO thing of death come in and just like mm-hmm. screw with you. Um, or or yeah, two were, at the same time because, yeah. you know, forget yeah. this game. But there was helicopters in the toy store. Or not, you know, in the back in the, room in the, the back toy aisle. store. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was new. Which has never been there before. So, it, yeah, yeah, my jury's out. Maybe they randomized something. If they didn't, I hope they do. Well, that seems like an option. Playability. Yeah, that would seem like an option that would be good to have is is have a a set sort of expected uh, series of, of bad guys, but then have the option to randomize it. Yeah. Now, I had to bounce out before you guys were done because I had some stuff going on. But... Uh, did you get to the backyard? No, we, we did not. Uh, we got to the we got to the attic, um, and I think that's as far as we got was to the attic. The attic got uh, really brutal show him, on did, us. Just show him the knights. Yeah, the, yes, yes. the knight the knights in the play castle worshiping the battery. Yeah, that was pretty great. That was pretty funny. Yeah, the backyard is is even better. 
than oh, the yeah, attic, there's... and it's it's tough to top. Well, what I, I just... was what I was talking about last night that was interesting was is there's enough going on in these maps where it'd be really cool to see one giant like battlefield style map where it's like territory control throughout the house. Yeah, you know, you've mm. got you got the different because we're we're obviously simulating the different rooms around the house because we didn't even get to the kitchen level. So there's like you know a kitchen level, there's the bathroom level, there's the bedroom. Obviously, there's the attic, there's the backyard. You know, just like kind of like combine all that to, together and do some big kind of like battlefield style territory. Like, give me an RC tank to drive around. Like, yeah. So what I want is not the Transformers and not Cobra versus not gi joe and not <laughs> e-man there you go yeah well, exactly. ubisoft published um a series of games that were um a little more static a little bit smaller maps than than this um hyperboxed but yeah it was very similar, but they actually licensed the real toys. So you actually right. were playing as He-Man and, and G.I. Joe and stuff. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, those are a bit rough to get running anymore because they didn't keep updating them. And I I remember like Windows updates just broke the hell out of them. Mm, yeah, they, they I played them on Xbox and the, the first two are uh, 360 games that are backwards compatible uh, with the newer consoles and the they did a the one where they really doubled down on the licensing was um war chest right which has got which actually has he-man and mm -hmm. gi joe stuff in it i just yeah and that it, one's uh on the, xbox one yeah the thing that it, it's like okay it was cool but the majority of the game was basically tower defense in a traditional way not that yes. you're running around the map as one of the guys that you're just like jumping from turret to turret and shooting yes. waves. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's where I think hyper charged hyper. I oh gotta keep reading the name. Hypercharged yes, hyper unboxed. Yeah. Hypercharged unboxed, I think is better is you're more in the action where in the Ubisoft one, whose name I'm escapes me. Um, you're sort of jumping between turrets and fixed defenses, as opposed to being, uh, you know, sort of in the world as a character. Yeah, I, I feel that what the world actually needs is a Battlefield 4 mod that adds Transformers and G.I. Joe in there. and But you're still playing Battlefield 4 just as the toys. And I'd be good. And then while they're at it, they could also just make a Star Wars one. Like, but action figures, right? Because <laughs> why not? There, mm. there has never actually been a Star Wars action figure game. They had the Lego stuff, but that doesn't count for me. But it, as an adult, I would love to have an excuse to go back and play with digital versions of my old toys. Yeah, yeah. So the game, the game that I was referring to for for those who are curious is Toy Soldiers, and the last installment uh, is War Chest, which, um, like I say, is out on on uh the xbox one so it is still playable there at least yeah speaking of toy soldiers have you ever seen the movie toy soldiers because hypercharged is kind of that way mm -hmm. oh that's what i was saying it's like toy soldiers meets toy story mm -hmm. yep yeah all right but what it's we, just, all right. i don't know how many people have actually seen that movie but that's all go look it up what do we got in the news there malphite Oh my gosh, we have a, a bunch of stuff, but probably the biggest 
story of the last uh, couple weeks is uh, CD Projekt Red announcing that they got hacked. Uh, they got hacked bad. Um, apparently, all their source code was stolen, all their internal documents, and the um, ransomware folks encrypted all of their stuff um, and are threatening to release it publicly if they're not paid the ransom. Um, this is a pretty a growing phenomenon, I guess, in the ransomware space is we're not just going to break in and encrypt all your stuff. We're going to break in, steal stuff, and then, uh, you know, hold you, encrypt all your stuff as well, and then hold you hostage. If you don't uh, pay up, we will release your dirty secrets. So, so are, they in a, are they in a position where they cannot continue development on Cyberpunk? No, they less? can. So all their backups were were saved. So like they had, they're they've they've been able to recover everything from backup. So the they said that they were not going to pay the ransom, and whatever happens happens because they're not going to cave to this. But okay. um, and I heard I heard their stock took another giant nosedive on the news of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is that's pretty standard operating procedure at this point when that kind of stuff happens yeah well that was i think based on the assumption that once the source code is leaked for uh witcher and cyberpunk you know we're gonna see all sorts of um uh free versions of it floating around and you know so on and so forth the interesting thing is i think it might actually help the real game because people are going to uh, be excited about all this new mod content that's going to get created by the community because they have access to the source. So, well, we'll see. yeah, well, while not condoning the action, the result could be either rather interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, it could actually work out well for CD Projekt Red is, is what I'm thinking, because, I mean, this stuff's still protected by copyright. So right. it's not like uh, GOG can start, or well, GOG's a bad example because they're owned by CD Projekt Red. It's not like Steam can start selling Cyberpunk and not pay CD Projekt Red. Uh, that would be illegal. So, um, you know, I, I think what it does is it opens up the the mod community in a whole huge new way where people could really get in and, and you know, potentially do a community patch that uh, moves things along a lot faster for cyberpunk. So uh, what, what, if, what if they were unable legally to just give the source code out to people so they had to hack themselves so that they could actually get the community involved and say that's an interesting asses. yeah that's an interesting uh interesting idea um could have been yeah, an inside job that i suppose that's true well and, and you always wonder you know how do these people get in um there's certainly plenty of uh no, I, I know how they got in did you see the response to the to the tweet it was uh, no guy was like oh yeah i know how they did it and he put he put the the like hex grid up from cyberpunk and he was like, see, they ah. just did 5555BDF2. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, Hunter, do you have our uh, next story? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> in the realm of, of strange uh, Google Stadia. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Yeah. So Google Stadia. Our, our good friend, Google Stadia. Yes. Yeah. Not I, dead yet. Well, it's it's not it's not it's not dead yet. No, but the the thing the thing is is they uh they have shut down their internal studios that they were working on. So they were 
So Google Stadia was announced, right, as this new cloud-based console from Google, essentially. And they were going to get their own studios set up to start developing their own games. And they even hired uh, an industry veteran. I think it was from Ubisoft, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. Um, Jade. Yeah, to come in and, like, head that up and do these things. Well... Yeah, Google shuts that down, and, and you know, and it's and it's funny, funny not funny, right? Like it's 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 not funny that people have lost their jobs over this, but it's funny in that, like, you know, I I think I think a lot of people, um, especially people who are very into the gaming industry and scenes, kind of saw the the writing on the wall with this. I think anybody um, who knows Google, who, yeah, who's yeah, watched the yeah. company for the last, you know. Yeah, 20 don't, years. don't don't put your investments in something until you let it like ride for a little while and see where it's going. And because it's kind of like, you know, it's like, you know, some of their stuff has been out for a long time and it's shown a lot of like good and they're still writing with it and working on it and developing it. But Google's been known just to like at any point in time, they're just going to shut that that down. And you're just like, hold on. Um, and so they're doing the same thing with their with their uh, internal studios. It It's weird because they're going to keep working on the platform and trying to work with other developers to bring their games to that platform. But I, I, I feel like this is again, just a step in the wrong direction of, of cloud gaming. And what I mean by that is, is like, I I would love to compare this for a second to NVIDIA's streaming service. So NVIDIA has their GeForce streaming service, which they, they will sell you games. Yes. However, they they have the bring your own games to the platform thing. So essentially with the GeForce Now is is you access that service and then you're logging into your own Steam account. You're logging into your own whatever game here account is and it's your game. So no matter like you so essentially it's kind of like you're bringing your games to the platform and using it to like you're streaming from their service to you. So that's nice because if maybe like maybe you do have good internet but a bad computer and you just want to like play a couple of games until you get a new computer again, you can still do that. You still have those games. Yeah, it just I, I don't know. I I just think the mindset of the service is better from what Nvidia has done to what Google has done. You know, as an example. Um and the same kind of thing with uh with like how XCloud and Xbox Microsoft is doing stuff too. I mean, if you have Game Pass Ultimate, you don't necessarily need to buy the games. But if you do and you have a console, you can still download the games to that console and play them. So it's kind of it's kind of like a twofold system of you know Google. Just I just I, I think they're I don't know. The and I mean it's intriguing, right? Like the idea of being able to like go to YouTube, watch a streamer, and then click a button and start playing the same game that they're playing or play with them in some community, like. That's interesting. I just think this is the wrong way to do it. I I think Stadia suffered in part because they didn't have a clear narrative. Well, you can subscribe and you get some games. You can use it for free. You can buy games. Like it was, it was trying to do too much. If they had picked one strategy and you know sort of made that the thing, I think it would have been easier for customers to understand. Um, I also feel like the insistence on these games running on Linux uh, under the covers really hurts them because, I mean, Christ, Valve, the biggest influencer in the PC marketplace, PC gaming marketplace, tried to get the industry to move to Linux and it failed spectacularly. 
So the hubris of Google coming in and trying to tell the game industry, no, really, you need to move to Linux to use our cool, you know, streaming service is idiotic, frankly. Yeah. Um, well, that's like just a non-starter. Are, devs are going to service the market segment where their customers are, and you're not going to move all your customers to Linux. So it's just not going to happen. Stop trying to make it happen. Well, but that's, it was, it that's was good for remark. Linux, though. Because Linux actually got like good driver support out of NVIDIA and stuff at that point. Like True. Ubuntu, yeah, they're, they're... Ubuntu made major strides in gaming, but it's still not good. Yeah, there's there's there is there is an argument we say that you can game on Linux now because of the aspects of say Vulkan as as an example, or say some of these other things that that allow for it. And there's other technologies out there too that allow you to do gaming on Linux, but you're you're, it's actually gaming on Windows through a virtual machine, and you're sharing hardware access to it. it it's a mess. So yeah, it's it's not a it's, it's still it's not, not a something solution. that anybody wants to actually right. do. Not a normal person is going to do this. You know, not someone who's just like, oh yeah, like I'm, you know, I'm I, I travel a lot and I like to play games, so I'm going to subscribe to Google. Like they're not no, <laughs> right? Yeah, but but it's uh the thing with the with Valve though with their Steam OS was that they were going to sell those Steam boxes, which was basically a, a, a budget console that ran Linux. Well, and, budget console, sort of. It was... Well, it was a platform, right? They were right. saying to the, the PC makers, do, you know, meet these specs and we will certify that it's a Steam box and you can use the branding with it. Um, and the market said, well, we don't know. We don't want to go big on this because we don't think it's going to be a huge success, yeah, so they, it, which is which is exactly Stadia, right? Well, like nobody uh, so really it, wanted to go in. It, so it happened at first, though, right? Like you had a few manufacturers who tried it and then Steam themselves came out with like their or Valve themselves came out with a Steam link. So instead of like actually having hardware that you play on, it was just like, well, let's use your existing hardware and just stream to this thing on the TV and then they even refined that further and were just like, well, we're going to get rid of the Steam link and we're just going to do the Steam app. And so the Steam app now has replaced the, all of this all together to where the streaming service now, now Steam is its own streaming service to like, but you have to stream to yourself. Um, right. Which so, I, I feel is uh, NVIDIA kind of pioneered that, right? With the right, Shield exactly. tablets. And, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And what's, what's, what's interesting about that, though, is, is then, then you move from that to like NVIDIA also doing the remote play stuff. They, they did that stuff first before Steam did it. And now Steam has their remote play together feature, which they're actually pushing rather hard. Um, and there's like, there's a lot of games now that I actually will launch and play and it was like play together and like, it'll have a pop-up that says like, you know, remote play together with this game. And I was like, Oh shoot, that's a, I didn't realize that was yeah. an option. Well, NVIDIA doesn't really, because NVIDIA also has, you know, it's like I can cloud stream games right to my tablet. Cause it's, it's like, if I wanted to buy, you know, name some game, but I can't run it on my tablet so I can just stream it in the cloud to my tablet, which is exactly what what uh, Stadia does, um, but they don't really talk about it, right? It's like if if you bought their uh, their Nvidia Shield tablet, yeah, you're aware, but I don't know that anybody else is aware that they even have that service. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, the the GeForce Now thing is only that, and that's a good point that you've made. The GeForce Now stuff is like really kind of in the ecosystem of Nvidia users. So if like you, if you're an Nvidia user, you probably are aware of it. But like 
you know, if you're if you're a console user, you probably have no idea that it exists. Well, and as well, an NVIDIA card owner on a PC, I would have no reason to be interested because I'm already at my PC where the game would be. So, I, well, yeah. but, but but you're probably aware of it because of the the, the GeForce Experience like application that they use. Yeah, because to... they stick a front end ad about it. Right. Exactly. Well, so. and that's where I think my my uh concern with the state of streaming is the players who have gotten into this business are the ones who have data centers already. Google, um, Amazon started their streaming service, Luna, recently, which looks somewhat similar to Stadia, um, although it doesn't require Linux, and Microsoft because they own data centers. And you know, NVIDIA doesn't own data centers. So they're having to pay somebody else market rate to run this hardware. And one of the things that, you know, again, I tend to focus on the technical, but one of the things that sucks about all of these streaming services is if I go on and I'm playing solitaire, it takes a lot of resources out of the pool, almost as much as if I'm playing control or battlefield or something. So there's a huge disincentive to the game makers if they're doing an all-you-can-eat sort of uh, approach to pricing to support anything but the big headline blockbuster games. Um, And they better have a steady stream of them. Otherwise, they're building infrastructure and nobody's going to show up to use it unless they can reuse that infrastructure for something else, which is why the big cloud makers are the ones who are trying this because it well, the incremental cost to them is very small well yes so, so yes and no so like i mean the yes and no to a lot of what you just said sorry there's a there was a lot there so um i i think i think no that that google is 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 being foolhardy in their attempt on this i feel like they're trying to branch into a sector that they have no right being in in my opinion um Whereas, like, you have someone who, like Microsoft or someone like NVIDIA who has their foot in the door in this space already. You know, NVIDIA makes makes arguably, arguably, the world's best graphics cards, right? They they do a lot of cutting edge graphics card technology. Then you have yeah, I've, I've seen the numbers. It's not arguable. It is the best. Right. Like, and then, yeah. well, then, but then you look at like Microsoft and what Microsoft is doing, what Phil Spencer and the Xbox team are doing with like their gaming scene with all the gaming stuff. Plus, you have Microsoft infrastructure with Azure. Like, they know the cloud space, they know the gaming space. They like, and they're doing it smartly where they're not just saying, hey, we're just going to like have this only in the cloud thing and it lives there and it only lives there and you can only touch it there and that's it and you're done. Like, they get it. Right, like the, yeah. So it's like, can I can I take the Xbox app, much like the Steam app, put it on my phone, leave the house, and then fire up a game at home on my Xbox and have it stream out, or is it only yes in house no. that you can yes do it? Yes and no. Yes and no. So like it it the during the beta phases of a lot of things you could. I think they've temporarily disabled it, but I think they're supposed to be bringing it back. The the okay. intention that they've said publicly is that you will be able to stream for free from your home console to a mobile device or from the cloud if you have a subscription that offers that which is right. game pass which is ultimate, ultimate. Right yeah yeah 
Um, so, well, so I and I and I did it. Like I got, I've done it. Like I during the beta phase of all of this stuff before they went live with their full on X Cloud, I actually was able to stream from home to work and play my home console at work. Well, so I wanted to point something out that I think is significant. NVIDIA's uh, entry into this space, first of all, like I said, I don't think they're going to be successful because the economics are not in their favor, not because they don't own data centers. But even putting that aside, what happened is as soon as they said, hey, we're going to let you play the games you already own on our platform, three quarters of the game industry came in and went, uh, no, you're not. If you do that, we're going to sue you. So take our games off. And so NVIDIA had to pull everything from Activision Blizzard. I think they had to pull um, all the Rockstar stuff, a couple of other game major which game is, developers. Which is strange. Pulled so, out. So, so that's that's interesting that you bring that up. And I, and there's there's plenty of other news to talk about. But this is interesting. This is really interesting because what what I don't understand is it's essentially it's a it's a micro virtual environment instance for you yep. is what yep. they've set up. Where I could go and do the exact same thing that NVIDIA's done. As a matter of fact, there's a whole like tutorial on YouTube about it that I found where you could go to AWS, don't tell don't tell Amazon, but you can go to AWS, you can set up your own micro instance there, give it the graphics processing power that you need because you can do that. You can set up your own streaming service in the cloud through AWS privately and do the exact same thing that NVIDIA was basically doing on their own end. Right. What I don't understand, though, is is why, what what was the legality issue? Like, that's where I find, like, it interesting. Like, there wasn't was, one. There wasn't okay. one. No, okay, no, so, is, so then... Go ahead. So then what were they trying to sue them for? For what? Well, they, they were threatening them. They said, well, you're, you are doing a paid service where you're doing a public... And I disagree with that, but a, a public exhibition of our game, which means you need a commercial license, and that's you not, don't, I don't have think a commercial that's true, license. Though. I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't either. And neither did Nvidia, which is why they did it. But do they want to spend the next ten I, years yeah, fighting the half the game industry in court, or do they say, okay, if you don't want it on there, we'll pull it? And what they chose to do, which I think is smart, because that's not a fight they're going to win, even if they win in court. You know what I mean? They're going to piss away so much money fighting it. It's not worth it. Yeah. But so which, I guess which, fair. which publishers objected to this? Oh, uh, Activision Blizzard. All of, all of Activision uh, Blizzard. The, uh, the, okay. Well, let me let me put it this way. The one game company that stood out and said, no, we are going to support this was Ubisoft. Oh, and it's interesting. And this is why I brought this up, because I want to fast forward a little bit. What Ubisoft later did is launched a all-you-can-eat, all of our games, all of our DLC in a subscription for $15 a month. And it's called Ubisoft uh, Uplay Plus or something. I've heard the name of it. The branding, Ubisoft's branding's terrible. Um, they but they did this. You play a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Um, I think they've stepped back from the Uplay branding. But anyway, so... It's $15 a month. You can play any Ubisoft game, including brand new releases. You can play all the DLC as part of this subscription. And what's cool about it is if you want, you can go to Stadia and play any of the games in your subscription. If you want, you can go to Amazon Luna and play any of the games in your Ubisoft subscription. No additional fees. So they have a business relationship with Stadia and Amazon where 
There's some money changing hands on the back end, I'm sure. But basically, if you want to play Ubisoft games and you don't want to buy a PC or you don't have a high-end PC, for 15 bucks a month, you can play them with very little you know, uh, cost to buy into that. So like that is really interesting. And I think Ubisoft gets it in a way that by allowing, you know, uh, the GeForce, um, GeForce Now, by allowing or working with Stadia and Luna, like they're seeing some potential here to open up their market to new gamers that. Yeah, because this the is the weird the thing, because the weird thing is, is you still had to buy the games from the developer. Like, that's that's the thing that killed me. I was just like, what? With, what are you with what Stadia? Are you, no, 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 no. With with uh, the Nvidia thing. So like, oh, oh, right, right. Like if I that's if I because I had to bring my own games, right? Like so, I'm yes. bringing my own games to that platform in order to do it. So that means I have to have bought the games from those other platforms in order to use it. So it's kind of like, where's the problem here? You're still getting paid for these games. <laughs> like that's and it's, well, and that was yeah. basically they thought they could get more money out of Nvidia. They felt like, well, if you're going to charge a subscription, you need to pay us. Some of it's that. not even a subscription to their game; it's a subscription to their technology. And then, yeah, yes. uh, it's blah. blah yes, blah, blah, I know, blah, blah. I know. But this is this is greed, right? This is just to me, it's blatant greed on the part of those game development companies to say, unless you're going to pay us, we're not going to we're we're not okay with it. Um, that sounds like some Nintendo shit. That's very much what it sounds like. Yes. Well, I feel Don't, like we never go our, full our, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> never go full Nintendo. That's good. Uh, I feel like we ended up doing our topic show uh, right here almost, but um, <clears throat> we should probably move on to our next story. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit lighthearted. Uh, I I like tabletop games. I know um, they're not for everybody. But uh, they are doing a Monster Hunter World um, board game. And one of the big trends in board games right now these days is minis, miniatures. And uh, (laughs) they came up with a mini for Monster Hunter. And the mini is a foot tall. That's ridiculous. So just, <laughs> yeah, wrap your head around that one for a second. This is this I, is a- I hope to God it's plastic and not made out of pewter and like <laughs> Games Workshop is not involved in the pricing model or that's a thousand dollar miniature. Yes, yes, yeah. No, it's it's a little crazy. Um but I mean basically this, like- this is one of the top tiers for their Kickstarter. You can get a uh a giant version of one of the one of the minis but it just seems so silly to me the idea of playing a board game uh with a foot tall miniature yeah that's really nice that kind of reminds me it's almost like playing with like uh do you guys ever see the collector's edition for the first titanfall game came with like an 18 inch like statue and you're just like holy crap like where am i gonna put that <laughs> we we at Blizzard, uh, they did a during the World of Warcraft days. They did a mannequin, like a full plaster mannequin, uh, that was a night elf hunter, and she was um, minimally clothed, right, as the hunters were in the game, um, or blood elves for that matter. It, well, yeah, yeah. There's no no. There's apparently a shortage of clothing. Uh, uh, fabric in in azeroth but um you could we had a, an opportunity to do an employee purchase of these things and i 
<laughs> I had a, a, a standing policy where I would buy one of everything that all of those like employee purchases because I missed out on a few early on and regretted it. And I was like, okay, this is the line. Like, I can't have a five foot tall night elf statue or That's you know like sitting around in my house with a bunch of kids yeah well yeah like what the hell do i do, <laughs> you know, do I, yeah. I mean, See, that's that's where you screwed up because had it been me i would have been like give me all of them that you have <laughs> and put them and put them in this storage unit and we're gonna wait about three years and then i'm gonna open my amazon store there we where go i can yeah. then scalp these for 10 times what i paid <laughs> Probably so. Well, and what was so you funny about... in your yard is like lawn ornaments, though. It's just like, there that. like Christmas, yeah. like put little Santa hats on them. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, what's funny is, and I shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to. Um, we had one in the lobby of our building where the, the technical folks were. And, you know, as I mentioned, she's not terribly uh, uh, well endowed in the clothing department. So although in other departments, she was well endowed. Um, so somebody came along and taped $1 bills to her clothes. Oh my God. On the statue in the lobby. And oh our, God. our director at the time came by, like came into work one day and was like, okay guys, that's super funny, but you can't, you can't do that. Like we have to take that off. So, um, they did take down her, her earnings for the, uh, yeah. for the night, but. Oh my god! Should have should have like photoshopped it into a Duke Nukem screenshot where it's like shake <laughs> it, baby. <laughs> yeah, oh seriously. Well, so at any rate, I I do I did get a kick out of that. But I was gonna say the one other miniature that I've heard of that's like crazy oversized like this was the Star Wars miniatures game, and they did the uh, execute executor ex executor the, mm-hmm. um, super the Star Super Star Destroyer. Right, yeah. yeah, that's probably um, huge. Yeah, and it's like four feet. Uh, yeah, a f- four foot miniature or something. Well, base, base, so. because I have the base game for the X Wing miniatures game. And, you know, knowing the size of those models and how they try to do some things to scale, but not like yep. completely. Um, just the, the, the very idea of them trying to do like an, uh, the executor, like that to me just sounds. The, at that point, the executor is your kitchen table. Yes. And... Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, because what else do you do with it? Like, you better have a garage, a basement, or a a shed because you're going to have to have a special structure to store your Star Wars miniatures. Yeah, that would be a big table to have to play on. (laughs) Uh, Because, I mean, I'm just thinking of the scenario in which you have to fight that thing, which means you have to bring in a lot of other ships. So it's like, that's a a big play table. Well, and I suspect it would be like a tournament thing or like an event type of thing because just the amount of time to take all those turns you know how many guns does the executor have shooting at your x-wings flying around it takes 20 minutes just to roll all the dice so you know in a in a uh like a a big open business space right like big open room yeah bunch of cubicles but then you have to have some kind of sound dampening solution because otherwise it would be a giant echo hell so over at Escapist Magazine in Durham, whenever they existed, um, mm-hmm. I went over there and I was hanging out and they uh, their sound suppression solution on the ceiling was a giant foam Star Destroyer that, ah! that was like end to end of the office space. It oh, was, that's it awesome. was uh, Yeah, it was like I couldn't even guess what scale, but it was a Star Destroyer that was probably 50 feet long. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, That's it was, cool. it was, uh, and and you're under it, right? So they didn't yeah. have to do like the top. It was just like the belly of a star destroyer, and the engines on the back of it and stuff, like just stuck to the ceiling. You know, I was I, like, "That's pretty dope." That's pretty awesome. I just am thinking of like the the um, docking bay on the bottom. You know, who who gets yep. to sit under that thing? Like, is that the the premium spot in the office or the worst? I don't know. Yeah, and then they have like a spotlight, like a tractor beam that's lifting the CEO <laughs> up out of his chair. Yeah. Oh man, oh uh, that's funny. Well, uh, jumping back into the game news, um, one that that's. Uh, pretty exciting for uh, fans of flight flying, flight simulation, perhaps. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, the newest installment in that very long-running series, uh, is out on PC. You can buy it, you can play it, you can love it. Uh, it's also in Game Pass, although it is the sort of basic version. There's uh, extra content you don't get, but it is coming to PC. And so, I'm sorry, to Xbox. Thank you. Um, I just said it's on PC. Uh, It is coming to Xbox. And Microsoft is saying it will be virtually indistinguishable from PC, which this is, I I have a web forum I'm on uh, where people post screenshots from flying around in this game. And I swear to God, it's it's photorealistic. It's amazing how good it looks. Yes and no. So (laughs) Jim and I... Can can look. Jim, Jim and I, yeah, Jim and I have played it. And uh, we we took a flight up to Cleveland, and sure enough, that looked like Cleveland. Um, it was pretty pretty realistic. And then uh, we took a flight down to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was like, "That's not Charlotte." <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was yeah. like really selective about where their detail was. Yeah, not all yeah. not all not all the cities were in there yet. But I mean, but when but when it when it's there, it's there, and it looks really good. And um, you know, it's a lot of it. It is entertaining. So. Yeah, well, I just think it's so neat that they're they're really bringing this parody between Xbox and PC, you know, that we haven't really seen before. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty exciting. Well, it'd be interesting to see how virtually indistinguishable they say it is. So I'm to be honest with you, I'm really curious though about this the next bit of news here that uh, Halo Master Chief Collection is actually getting a server browser, or at least they're they're calling it a server browser. Um, I mean, like. I, so so the three of us for sure come from the days of like legitimate server browsers right like you know we buy a game you know there's somebody hosting a server somewhere out on the internet you can connect to it it's like you know the 24 7 ctf blood gulch maps playing or uh shoddy snipes or stuff like that like those those are the days of gaming that we we come from but have uh they still exist but they it's been greatly diminished and reduced uh to more matchmaking type games these days but um, so 343 is actually going to be putting in some kind of a, a server browser or like some kind of like a custom games browser that'll let you um, browse through them differently. Now, I don't know if that means that they're adding in the point where like I can rent out a, a Halo server that runs 24-7 or if it's like I can do much more customization matchmaking stuff um, that I play and I have more control over, but it's all done within the game. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how well, that's going to work, but we'll. Or see. it could. It could even still be a peer-to-peer thing instead of being like dedicated servers. They just need to give you a list, like who has a game up right now that's running the mode that I want to play, and how many people are in it, and then you need to choose which one to join, other than just accepting random ass matchmaking. 
uh, right, because, which I, I feel I is a nice middle ground. Right, because I don't think you can currently, uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think you can currently hot join uh, games in progress. Uh, like, if, like if you were playing something, I don't think I can like just join. In depends the on the mode. Yeah, it depends yeah. on the mode. But the, there, there's there's a bit of Halo news all around this, though. So they're adding in a new map, which is interesting because the map that they're adding in came from the Halo Online game that they made that was the Halo 3 port that was supposedly <clears throat> just for Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, of course, as we know, was hacked and made available for people around the world to play. Uh, but they're adding in a map from that uh, specific version to the Halo MCC, plus they're adding in... Um, a few other like little minor things, some like field of view well, did, changes and some stuff like that. Well, so. did they did they not give you the forge tools with the Halo Master Chief Collection? Because people should be making their own stuff at this point. I think Forge exists, sort of. It, it definitely is there, but I don't think I. I mean, the, the... I remember the first PC thing was Forge. Right. They were just like, here's Forge, screw around with it. But there was no game. Well, okay, so Halo and five, there was Halo Five Forge that came out on Windows ten. So that was that was something that you could do. Oh, uh, okay. Was that. Um but the but like but Halo on PC back in the day, like Halo one and two, they definitely had like customization stuff, custom browsers, custom all that kind of thing. So um browsers, I mean like custom servers. Wow. Um but yeah, because at so, this point, all the games that are going to come out are out in the Master Chief collection, right? Like it's what Halo yeah, one through five, Halo one through four. So I mean, one through four, one through four, ODST and Reach are all in the Master Chief collection. So it's oh. six games. Uh, even though there is Halo five, Halo five is still on the console only. I haven't heard any news of whether or not that's going to come to the PC. People are speculating that it eventually probably will, but it's also I think like the least liked of the. Uh, I think that's an understatement of the uh, Halo games. Multiplayer is something different. I'm, I'm speaking particularly of just like the, the story itself was very left a lot to be desired. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious. So if, you, if you didn't like four, you haven't played five. Um, right. Yeah, and four was okay. I liked four all the way up until the end. Uh, it was kind of like four was Halo. Four was kind of like Mass Effect three. It was really good all the way up until the end, and then the end was kind of mm. BS. Um, so, for what it's worth, I, I would call it efficient. Like you don't really have to fight the boss; you just kind of hit F to pay respects. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's true. That's basically what you do. Yeah, because that's that's exactly what happened. For those of you who don't know, spoiler alert. But like when you get to the final boss in Halo Four, you pretty much shoot at him like a couple of times. Literally, like I pulled the trigger twice. Did a couple of burst fires and then ran up to him and said, "Press X to like finish." Press X to win. Right. I was like, "Oh, all right." And then I sat through like five, ten minutes of cutscene, and that was the game. So, um. But anyway, so I'm I'm a big fan of the of the other Halo stuff. I like all of the other Halo things. Halo One through Three, ODST, Reach. Those are all really great games. All really great content, and that's all in the Master Chief Collection. So I mean, I can get five out of six enjoyment out of that, right? So five out of the six games can be fairly enjoyable. So I'm okay with that. Um, plus, they're doing their seasons type stuff or their unlock stuff. So like, you can do um, the more you play, you can unlock different skins and stuff like that. They've added in some like um, really cool Warthog skins for Halo uh, CE or Halo One that are uh, basically skins from um, Jurassic Park, which are like really cool. So you can 
ride around in your Warthog and it looks like a Jeep from Jurassic Park. Oh. Well, kind of in a, in a weird tangential relationship to the Halo games, um, there is a game getting a re-release on the uh, PC, or I'm sorry, on the Xbox uh, and Windows PCs uh, called Stubbs the Zombie in Rebel Without a Pulse. That is the official name of the game. Yeah, it's um, got like two fans, right? And it was like both people that played it. Hey, I really like this game. Right, it's, you're one. I know, I know. But here's here's the thing. It's an interesting uh, kind of diversion for Halo fans because the lead develop one of the, the senior developers at um, Bungie left because he wanted to work on something different. But he was so familiar with the Halo engine, he convinced Bungie to license it to him for this game. So this game uses the Halo 1 engine, um, but it is a sort of 50s-style town where you go in as this zombie and your job is to infect the entire town. Is this um, the one where you can actually like detach his head and roll around town? Or is that a different no, zombie game? No, that's a okay. different zombie game, I believe. All right. Um, so you're trying to take over the city of Punchbowl, Pennsylvania, and Stubbs has, uh, an arsenal of zombie sputum, gut grenades, and stunning unholy flatulence, according to the developers. So, uh, this is coming out in March. Um, probably one of the, the more interesting things about this is when it was made in 2005, uh, they convinced a bunch of sort of alt-rock bands to do covers of some of the 50s, like, classic pop and, and ballady type songs. And they actually released that soundtrack as a standalone album, and it was very successful. Um, one of my favorite bands of all time is a group known as Cake. Uh, they did a cover on it, um, and there's a bunch of other names you might recognize. So even if the game doesn't appeal to you, the soundtrack might. Um because it's kind of a fun mashup of uh, the not era, 2000s era, with uh, some of the 1950s stuff. So keep an eye out for that one. Hopefully it won't be too expensive. We haven't seen pricing yet. I'm, I'm Honestly, I'm just surprised that it got a, a project to remaster the damn thing. Yeah, well, it's, I think it, they've already done all this work on the Halo engine, so it may not be that heavy of a lift. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's just kind of weird, right? Like I I would think you know, hey, put your resources where the audience is, and I wouldn't think the audience is there. So, huh? All right. But yeah, if they, if they can if they can just say, hey, man, we already did the engine. All we got to do is just port a couple of uh, like text files over and bang. Yeah, I mean that's kind of my my assumption. So we'll see. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So and it's coming out on the Nintendo switch because <laughs> like all old games come out for a uh, second yeah, life yeah. on the Nintendo switch. It sure feels that way, but uh, not in this case, but it's every other game. It seems like is that on switch. Hunter, Mi uh, Microsoft should make a portable Xbox 360 that just only plays 360 titles and then they can resell all of them. <laughs> well, you showed us the, uh, the Wii that somebody took the board and like chopped three quarters of the board off to put it in a port in like a, a little Game Boy case. Yeah. And it, it was called the WTF cut is like the, the pattern that you cut the thing in because it's like, 
wow, what you just chopped off like I don't know, a good seventy percent of the of the motherboard. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's crazy to me that Nintendo built something so inefficiently that you could cut seventy percent off and still have a functional console. Yeah, I'm I'm still yeah. trying to figure out what it is that they've cut off that they don't need to make this other thing work. But whatever. Well, it was like it was like port connectors and the Wi-Fi thing and the you know it was like yeah. ancillary stuff. But yeah, w- but it is shocking. Like the Wii is actually like about a two inch long piece of board with two chips on it. Hmm. Pour one out for the poor Wii U, the unloved bastard child of the industry. All right. Hunter, uh, you want to take us on to our next story? Yeah. So we were talking about some, some hardware earlier with the uh, NVIDIA stuff. Here's some more hardware things. So I, I guess leaked uh, Core i7 uh, 11,700 uh, <coughs> results show, excuse me, uh, AMD Ryzen is still the CPU to beat in 2021. Well, which, now, which uh, honestly, I, I've I've kind of stayed clear of Intel chips for a while on my personal builds at home. I I do I do see the benefit of like Intel's chips and stuff like that, but uh, I went to a Ryzen 7 2700X or whatever uh, about a year ago or something like that, and it's been one of the better decisions that I've made. So very nice. Well, uh, I'm going to actually grab the next story here. Um, there's a $4 app called power nap that aims to update all of your PC games while you're sleeping. Um, basically it goes through, kicks off the launchers, lets them do their updates and then, uh, shuts them down before you wake up. Um, given I have an extra 16 gigs of Ram on my laptop, just to be able to keep all the launchers running in the background for all of my various PC platform or PC games. Um, so they update when I want to play them. Uh, this sounds really, really interesting to me because four bucks for this little utility is a hell of a lot cheaper than an extra 16 gigs of RAM, I can tell you. Yeah, the feature I want is I want it to watch whenever I'm not playing a game on the platform and kill the damn launcher. Like if if it's like oh I played something on on UPlay, but I haven't played anything on UPlay for like an hour. All right, shut it down. <laughs> I don't need that thing in my tray. Yeah, um, uh, I'm, uh, Play I'm Night honestly, actually does that. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say Play you. Play Night does that, but at the same time, my thing is kind of like, uh, how how are people not able to manually do some of these things? Where is it, is it that much of a burden? To, yeah. Well, I'm well, wondering why do they want the launcher running all the time? Is it data mining me? Is it like collecting metrics? Like what what else is he playing from our competitors? What's going? Cuz you know um, these things are aware of every executable on your box, right? So, it's sure. I'm, I'm sure that there there's some financial incentive for them to have that launcher running all the time, I know, not just I, my convenience. I I know with BattleNet at least. Um we wanted it always running because we would trickle uh, the data for the next patch to you sometimes a month ahead of the patch release because we would have like certain assets that were already done and uh-huh. we knew we could we could deliver those safely um, and we could do it at a very low bandwidth, which saved us money because we didn't have everybody trying to update at the exact same time hammering the servers. We could trickle it out over time. Yeah. Um, 
what so about it was what about what about using like you have a million client machines that are running idle right what about using them to actually distribute the patch peer to peer like we, we did that as well yeah people got grumpy about it but it's the default in the battlenet launcher i mean cripes even microsoft does it with windows updates these days yeah um so so yeah i mean i i i can see the appeal hunter because there are so many launchers on pc this support looks to support origin ubisoft steam battlenet epics and Gal god galaxy but on top of those six, I have a Rockstar launcher. I have a Bethesda launcher. I have an Arc launcher for Star Wars Online. I have a um, oh, Star Trek uh, Online, but yeah. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. Um, the Wargaming.net has one for uh, World of Tanks. Um, and there's a couple more that I'm forgetting. Like it's it's ridiculous. You know, so, but some of those hey, some hey. of those launchers you don't need though. Like I mean, the the Arc launcher is not needed because you can get you can get it on Steam, right? Like you can play play that on Steam, and then like you know, but the, the launcher's still there, even if you run the Steam version, isn't it? Not the Arc launcher. Now there's there's the there's the 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 game launches its own like login thing that you have to click on for the login of the game itself. Mm. Right. But well, look at the Eve. Arc. The Arc launcher is different. Eve, Eve, Eve has its own little launcher thing too, because it's right. just like, but it's not. I wouldn't call it a launcher. You're trying to play an MMO, so it launches the yeah. login for the MMO. But it it's also the updater for the MMO, and it's the like I'm playing Elder Scrolls, right? And whenever I load that, Steam loads the launcher on my machine, and then I start the launcher, and right, then it downloads it, the game. But right, but it's not start. It's not starting the Bethesda launcher. It's just starting the game's launcher itself, like its own independent launcher. Well, but it's the, the same launcher that you get if you download it from ElderScrollsOnline.com. Is my point right? It's but the like exact same the, launcher. But there's a but there's a difference between the Star Trek one and the Arc launcher. There is an actual Arc launcher that's okay. different. Is so that what I'm trying to get at? You're nitpicking one example that's different, but the rest of them are exactly what I described, which is you get the same launcher whether you get it from Steam or somewhere else. So I, I, mean, I, I mean, it's like, hey, hey, man, I heard you like launchers, so I put a launcher in your launcher. I mean, like, so you can I, launch I, your I, launcher. I guess yes, yes, but like we're talking about like a singular game with its own updater because it's an MMO versus a launcher that launches a multitude of games. That's that's the difference that I'm trying to get. Oh, okay, at so let's so let's talk about Ubisoft because <laughs> whenever I buy an Ubisoft game on any platform, it installs the UPlay launcher, which then launches the game. Yep. Right. That would be a different example than what I was trying to get at, and I agree with you. That's that's a problem. Yeah, but maybe it's not because like, I mean, if, if you're buying, you know, like it's the same thing with origin, like now that EA is back on steam, right. You know, they, they, they put a little micro thing that you have to install. So it's like, it's all tying back to their services because you're playing their game mm -hmm. with their services. So you need to have their right. services on your machine anyway. So, but so what it's I'm like trying to, the point I was trying to make though with this other stuff was is it's different because it's a singular game that's an MMO. All MMOs have always had this thing, mm -hmm. uh, unless you're unless so, you're unless you're Blizzard with Battle.net. <laughs> okay, so here here's an idea, and we're gonna get rich selling this because it's so terrible that it must be true. Um, is what if all the movie studios 
instead of selling their their pay-per-view streaming service through Amazon or Netflix or whatever, they all start their own in-house thing, you know, like CBS or Disney streaming or whatever, right? So then each individual movie studio gets their own service. But then they have a like the Sony Pictures launcher that has to be installed on your TV. And then if you watch a movie, it'll hang on to it and then it'll peer to peer stream it to your neighbors. And then they can save all that bandwidth by utilizing your television to watch. How did we get here? I'm confused. I, I was just, <laughs> I was just thinking like, well, you know, video games, all the publishers in, instead of wanting to go through steam, decided hey we're going to break out and ubisoft's going to have the uplay launcher and ea is going to make the origin launcher and we're all just going to have a bunch of individual launchers instead of one unified store for yep. reasons right so it's like well why why shouldn't that apply in this very similar situation that we're seeing with the movie industry where they too all want their individual streaming service instead of a centralized thing. And then I just thought, well, wouldn't it be even super stupid if they utilize the customer's bandwidth to distribute the movies? Oh, okay. That that's, that's a weird flex, but all right. Yeah. Like, I don't so you have to upgrade your T but... well, you have to upgrade your TV because it doesn't have enough Ram to hold all these launchers <laughs> limes. What? Oh my God. I, okay. Dear. Well, I, I, so I think, uh, you know, Details aside, I think there is a value in this app. Sure, for four I, bucks, I can I can understand that. Sure, um, but I do think you know this is a problem for the PC industry right now. That uh, you know there are so many different launchers, different storefronts, and as a gamer, I just want to play the game. Like I don't have any particular loyalty to any of these. Even Steam, I know some people are diehard. Uh, it must be on on the Steam Store folks and, and more power to them. But um, like I say, I have an extra 16 gigs of RAM on my laptop because I keep all these launchers open and I have a 12-core um, CPU that is always doing stuff because these things are always sucking down resources in the background. So this sounds really yeah. Appealing. I mean, I mean, like I I keep all my launchers open all the time anyway, and I don't see and, I, and again that's just because if I'm playing on this PC. Like I just have everything open running in the background. It doesn't it doesn't affect any of my performance or resources. So Gog Galaxy has that deal where you can link your Steam account, you link your EA account and everything, and then yep. it'll it'll tell you what you own on those platforms and what's installed. But if you go to launch a game on Steam from there, it still has to launch Steam to then launch the game, right? Yep. So wouldn't it be cool if there was something like Play Night that actually could install and launch and do all the steam things in the background without actually having to launch the whole full on steam client because steam made like that steam command thing that can like connect to their service as you right you log into it once it remembers who you are it's like whenever i update my arc server i don't have to load up steam to do it i just run the steam command thing and tell it like go grab that update here's my username and right so wouldn't it be an, uh, a nice thing 
if a third party developer could actually write a unified front end that was all of these different launchers, but only was a single yeah, but executable. The only problem that you're running into right there is you listed Steam, which is the outlier in this, not these other these other companies don't do what Steam does in this regard. So like Steam's yes, but it would be nice if regard. it would be it would and I agree with you. It would be nice if. But here's the here's the nice thing about Playnite is like it'll it'll launch games and then close launchers for you in the back end. But um to to that end, like you also have to remember, like I said earlier, that a lot of these different platforms have their own services that need to run in order to be able to connect to play these games. So like if I if I want to play Battlefront 2, I've got to be able to talk to EA's like really crappy servers. If I <laughs> want to play, you know, um, you know, uh, what was it? Hypercharge Unbox like what we did mm-hmm. the other night. I got to, you know, I got to be on Steam to do that to use Steam's back end it's not just about getting the files, but it's about their backend services that you have to connect to through their through their ecosystem to do that. Now, why can't I right. just connect to their backend outside of the game? I don't know, but I, I think it would probably be, have to do something with the developer building it into their game themselves specifically, and blah blah blah, yada yada yada. Yeah, well, it's, if it's looking for if it's looking for an API the game's going to make a call, right? Like to Steam command, hey, validate my stuff. And then it expects that, you know, if, if you look in the folder, there's a there's a Steam a, uh, API file, right? And that's what the game talks to. And for right, like, if, if you have an illicit copy of a Steam game, it's because somebody just replaced that file. And then so work, you're right? then then you're starting to run into other problems of now like if a game is offered on multiple storefronts then they have to configure like each and every different version with a different like it it gets messier and messier and messier. Yeah. So what so what about this? If I buy the game why can't I just take it to a different storefront? Right? Like oh, hey, I God. I bought it on Epic but then no. it comes to Steam a year later. So can I just transfer my Epic thing that, into that's a, steam that's that's a terrible argument well interestingly the movie industry did that with uh what was originally called key chest it's now uh movies unlimited you go and register you know with them you link all of your store accounts from google microsoft itunes amazon etc and any movie you've purchased on any of those platforms is then automatically available on all the others so it is, it is, there is precedent for that happening sort of organically within the world. It's just not in the game industry because I feel like the players in the game industry are all about themselves and getting as much money as they can for themselves, not what's in our best interest as consumers. Yeah, well, well and again, Steam is the outlier because Steam doesn't care if you go buy a game key from somewhere else and then redeem it on Steam. They never got their 30% of that sale but they'll still deliver the game to you, right? Yeah. So that's cool. So because Steam doesn't seem to give a shit about that, it's like, well, great. Um, let me buy it on GOG or or, or uh, wherever the hell I get it because it was cheaper there. But then whenever it is available on Steam, just let me bring that code over and I could launch it either place because – why does Steam care? Steam wants me in Steam as much as possible, and that would well that I, would I, achieve that. I, I think I think I think you're forgetting about the other factor too, which is like, what about the developer themselves? 
well, the developer isn't going to sell me a second copy just because it's on another platform. <coughs> so I already bought it once. The developer got their piece of me, right? Well, I, I mean, I would love to see it. I think that there's ways that it, there are examples. GOG did GOG Connect, which was basically they would go into your Steam account. And if you had certain games that they had worked out an agreement with the developer of, they would give yeah. you a free copy on GOG. So there is, you know, there is some of that happening. It's just not the norm, yeah. unfortunately. And the, and the incentive is because GOG is, is not the top dog in there, then they want people to have incentive to have the GOG launcher open as much yep. as possible so that the GOG launcher can offer me to purchase other things through that launcher. Yep. So, you know, the more I interact with the launcher, the better the odds are that I'm going to actually use it to purchase something. So, which, which I think is Steam's incentive for accepting third party keys and stuff like that, yet still spending the money to deliver you the product. Uh, Steam keys are interesting. Um, I mean, they weren't originally supposed to be a way to sell games somewhere else, right? Right. Well, that, that's not completely true. They were a way for you to go to retail and bring your game to retail. Because remember, Steam was the beginning of digital distribution. So when it started, mm -hmm. everybody was going and buying a box. And they had to have some way to get you from the box to Steam. And so the keys were that method originally. More, more recently, what's crazy to me is Steam will limit the number of keys that a developer can issue for a particular title. Right. And that's um, due to the horrors of the bundles scene. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, and it's, it's, you know, and it's not a high limit. You can ask for an exception, but it, it, it literally takes very little effort for steam to, uh, destroy the PC market secondary market or gray market by just basically making keys cost a dollar. You know, if they charged a buck for the developer to issue the keys, right. Then all of a sudden, all this other shenanigans go, go away because there's a huge disincentive for the developers to use keys. Yeah. Um, now, now I know a, a, a personal horror story of somebody who made a game and then their, their publisher decided hey, I'm going to print up like a million Steam keys and then sell those on the gray market mm. without the developer's consent and basically just buried him <laughs> because like he couldn't sell a legit copy of his game because you could go gray market and nobody got any money out of that other than the publisher. So the publisher just kind of like sidestepped him using the whole the exploit of Steam keys. And it was just like really dirty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's where I think there there is, you know, the industry, uh, PC industry is rife for some kind of reform, however we get there. But, um, uh, you know, I don't know what that ultimately looks like. Yeah, well, I, I was kind of surprised that, uh, like, Humble Bundle, right? The way that Humble Bundle used to work is you would sign in to Humble Bundle and then sign into Steam, and Humble Bundle would just inject the game into your Steam account. Mm -hmm. which meant that you never you never got exposed a key. Yep. So it's not like I can buy it on Humble Bundle and then give it give the key to somebody else, right? right. So, or or I can't go like hey, here's this game and it's hella cheap this week 
So I'm going to buy like a bunch of them and then warehouse the keys and wait for the price to come up and then scalp it back out. Still that's, at a discount. That's strange right? because on Humble Bundle, I can still see all my keys. That's weird. Well, yeah, but they used to have the feature where it, you didn't have to click a thing that would then open the Steam page and paste the key in. Because it also, there was a middle phase there that was really inconvenient where it was like, here's your keys. So now you got to copy paste them and then open up Steam and go do this manually. And that really sucked. So the compromise was for them to make a thing that actually launched Steam and stuck the key in, but you still have to go through the clicks to do it by hand. Um, but it copies the key for you at least. But it yeah. used to, originally it was like none of that. It was invisible. It was like, oh, you bought this game and then you open Steam and there it is. So Yeah, it was. it's called Keyless Redemption and they still do it for Battle.net and um, Ubisoft, I think, on Humble, but not for Steam or Epic, which yeah, is... Yeah, I, I don't understand what changed in the email well, because what I would have thought that was better. What changed is Humble started their own store. And Valve cut them off when that happened, I think, because Valve said, well, you're no longer just this specialty thing where you're doing these crazy bundles. You're now a direct competitor. So we're not going to make that easy for you. Right. So how how do they get the keys that they then sell? Because the developers. Means, so the developer has to go and print out a spreadsheet of keys and then take that spreadsheet to humble and say, Hey, like here's 5,000 yep. keys or whatever that you can yep. sell. Right. So like what you were saying, if steam said, Hey, guess what? Those cost 25 cents a key Yep. to issue, you know? So at that point, now you have issued 20,000 keys that cost you 5,000 real dollars to do. So, yep. you know, that disincentivizes just making a complete shitload of keys. Um, and you know what? The less keys that are laying around on spreadsheets, the the less like unfortunate things can happen if those spreadsheets leak out somewhere. Yeah, because that Absolutely. has happened too. <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. hey, I found this developer's list of ten thousand keys here. Here it's a party. Yeah, well, and and it's it's easy to think that sooner or later Valve is going to decide they've had enough. Right. And there's this whole industry of people reselling Steam keys that Valve, like you said, Valve is still on the hook to deliver the content for that. They still have to ship the bits to your computer. And that does cost money, contrary to some some beliefs like um, now in the in the grand scheme of things, how much does that cost Valve? Not much because they do so much volume. Yeah. But it's still a cost. There is still a delivery cost. And if you imagine over the lifetime of a game, I might install it five or six times, you know? Yeah. And I am shocked that Steam has not yet leveraged peer-to-peer -peer in their client. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so I ultimately, I feel like, you know, we, we uh, are going to see something happen in the industry. Valve has so much money that they're kind of the sleeping giant because they're not incentivized to, to you know, opti micro-optimize these problems. But if they decide they've had enough, like, you know, a huge swath of the industry goes away uh, overnight. Um, a dozen, you know, reseller sites will go out of business. Like, uh, it would be a, a massive change. And given the competition Steam is facing from Epic and others, like that might conceivably happen. So 
we shall see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that actually shakes out or not. You know, it's like, at what point does that happen? And I think at the point that Gabe retires or, mm. or like his health forces him to retire or what, you know, whatever it's, it's yeah. a matter of time because everybody eventually goes away. Yeah. Um, so at the point that Gabe departs, does the company have a radical personality shift or not? Because if it comes under ownership of something else, then those people are going to be like, Oh, all this nonsense stops today. We're going to, we're going to squeeze every nickel out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would not be shocked to see that. Um, yeah. All right, Hunter. Uh, any one or two last news stories? I know we're a little bit over our uh, our time here. No, I think I think that'll be good for us for today. There's there's quite a quite a bit of stuff out there. I mean, another like some minor noteworthy thing is Tencent did purchase uh, a minor stake in Bohemia Interactive, which is the developers of Arma. Uh, so they've got their little paws in yet another studio. Um, well, so I assume that means in Arma now we're going to be fighting the Russians exclusively. Yeah, or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and, and speaking of uh, of people purchasing people, so Microsoft and the Zenimax deal. My understanding, based on like some headlines that I read, but didn't read the story attached to it because I'm that guy, uh, is that the EU is blocking the Zenimax acquisition still for some reason because they're debating whether it's like legal for reasons. I'm, I'm just surprised. Like, I don't know why they care, but sure. Uh, I mean, blocking it. How, like that doesn't make sense to me. Well, they have to, they have to say like, yeah, we're going to allow this merger to happen. It's, it's like, you can't do that without the, the EU can say that. Yeah. Our government does that too. Like if one telephone company wants to buy another one, then it has to be approved by, the government right, but, before it's but allowed is is Zenimax an EU company? Well, they have EU subsidiaries for tax reasons, so that's where it gets mm. weird. Um, yeah. There's probably ways around it. Like if the EU decided they didn't want to allow it, Microsoft and has enough money and clout they could probably work around it. But um, it might have they might have changed the marketing of it a little bit. Uh, ultimately, well, Europe, decision... has, Europe has a boner for just suing Microsoft anyway. It's, it's well, like, it's nuisance yeah. money to Microsoft at this point. It's just like, yeah. well, it'll cost it'll cost more to to get rid of these people than to just buy them out. So, all right, whatever. Here, here's your money. Yeah, and and ultimately, the EU makes a decision on March fifth, so we'll know uh, pretty soon what what's what as far as the EU goes. Well, we uh, we're still running a giveaway over on our Discord server. If we can get uh, up to a hundred uh, participants over in our Discord server, we'll start running a twenty-five dollar Amazon gift card giveaway. Uh, there's more. Details. We're giving away a hundred bucks if we get I'm, to a hundred members. It's awesome. And if, it's and if awesome. we get to a thousand, I'm giving away one Dogecoin. <laughs> oh right. no. Uh, there's more There's more details over on our Discord server, so if you actually go to discord.otherworlds.gg, you will get to our Discord server. Uh, be sure to click on the little controller emoji to get yourself a member role, and welcome to the party. Um, so we look forward to seeing you guys over there to continue the conversation, and we'll see you in next week's episode. This has been episode number 10. Woohoo!